0: John Solomon is award-winning investigative journalist. He has worked for The Washington Post, The Washington Times, I think The New York Times, AP, and The Hill. He now has a new website called JustTheNews.com. JustTheNews.com investigative journalist John Solomon, who is at the center of much of uh, this uh, scandal in Ukraine. Welcome to the program.
1: Good to be with you, Glenn.
0: Thank you. You want to start with any breaking news, any new news?
1: I do. As a matter of fact, just a few minutes ago, uh, my friends at the Southeastern Legal Foundation and I filed a lawsuit uh, seeking the records of contacts between Ukraine prosecutors and our embassy in Kiev, the U.S. embassy in Kiev. These are some of the contacts that are at the heart of this uh, impeachment trial, and we're at really the focal point of my early reporting on this there, there was a dysfunctional relationship between the frontline anti-corruption fighters in Ukraine and our embassy, and that's why I wrote the stories that I did. Um, <clears throat> I put a FOIA in uh, seeking open records requests for this information. It hasn't come. And so today, with the help of the Southeastern Legal Foundation uh, and a great law firm here in D.C., uh, I filed lawsuit to try to compel the release of these documents. I think they'll give us tremendous insight into what was going on between Ukraine prosecutors and the embassy on all sorts of issues, from the Joe Biden Burisma questions to uh, other anti-corruption cases that were going on at the time.
0: Okay, so so what 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 does your gut say that they they will show or prove?
1: Well, uh, my reporting shows from the, in past. Remember, there's a Ukrainian prosecutor who says that they were. Uh, the United States government was pressuring Ukraine prosecutors not to pursue certain cases, including a case against a George uh, Soros-funded non-government organization, uh, a a nonprofit. Um, And State Department officials confirmed to me before I wrote that story that, yeah, that did go on. And then we had some of the testimony during the impeachment where they acknowledged that the the State Department acknowledged it was pressuring Ukraine prosecutors not to pursue certain people. I think we're going to learn a lot more about what motivated those contacts, who who those people were, and what sort of communications uh, were going on between the prosecutor's office and the um, embassy. At the time, we had the Manafort case going on. We had uh, the questions about Burisma and Joe Biden, and there was an active investigation in 16. Uh, I'd like to know what was going on, what sort of function, what sort of communications, who was politically involved. And uh, hopefully when we're done, we're going to learn a lot more than what we know now.
0: So, John, what do you expect or hope will come out of this trial uh, when Ken Starr and Alan Dershowitz and the Trump team step to the plate uh, in probably 10 days from now?
1: Yeah, listen, it's been a one sided story so far, just like the beginning of the Russia collusion story. Right. And everybody was certain on. January 9th uh, of 2017, that the Christopher Steele dossier was gospel, and oh my God, our president was an agent of Russia. And three years later, we learned out that all of that turned out to be bunk. The most important thing about politics and, and about investigations is that there's two sides to a story, there's two pieces of evidence. Uh, and right now, we've only seen one side of it. And I, I believe in the trial, we'll be, begin to see a lot of different new pieces of evidence. For instance, If the president was interested or concerned about corruption, were there specific people around President Zelensky, the new Ukrainian president, that he might have been concerned about? Was there a specific cause or pause uh, that that caused the administration to hold off giving the money until they could be sure it was uh, spent right? And those are the sort of things we haven't heard from. And I think we're going to learn a lot about what the intelligence community, what the economic and Treasury Department community was telling the president And I bet the story is way more complicated than the narrative that Adam Schiff has woven so far. So
0: um, we do know now that there is somebody around um, uh, the president of Ukraine that Trump is worried about or was worried about. Uh, We have that evidence now because of the uh, the massive land sale that went to uh, George Soros. And that came from somebody who pressured the president to make this move, uh, who is in his, if you will, cabinet, who is very close to George Soros. So isn't that kind of proof that these people are still around him?
1: well uh, there, there, there's a lot listen there were uh, there was an oligarch named Kolomoisky who you know used to run Privat Bank the large bank in Ukraine and you can go back in in the timelines and look and back in the summer of 2019 in the fall of 2019 the IMF the Europeans were raising their hands saying we were really concerned about Kolomoisky's return to Ukraine around Zelensky there are a series of figures of people who played in Ukraine that have big political and economic interests. The Soros, the Kolomoyskis, the Zolchevskis, the guy who ran Burisma. Um, these are legitimate issues. And what we, do, we don't know and what we've been blinded to all this time was what was the CIA? What was the NSC? What were the diplomats? What were the European allies telling to the, the president? I suspect there's a much more complicated paradigm that was influencing the president's decision then oh i want an investigation Mm -hmm. of joe biden and by the way here's the most important part to remember about the joe biden investigation the Breesman investigation i know rudy giuliani was advocating for it we we see lev parnas was advocating for it Um, we we know it came up as a, a matter of discussion in the call but everybody misses this very important point before all that happened the Ukrainians on their own in February of 2019 and in March Mm of 2019 in Ukraine announced that they were reopening the investigation of Burisma. It had already happened, so people didn't know. Maybe the the NSC didn't tell the president, but the investigation, the president couldn't pressure for an investigation that had already been opened on its own organically because Ukrainians came up with new evidence against Mr. Zolchevsky and Burisma. And, That investigation remains ongoing today. So it started in February and it's still going on today. Reuters reported in December that it had been expanded to even more serious issues than had been previously reported. Uh, That keeps getting lost in this um, uh, impeachment uh, Mm -hmm. drama. And I think one of the questions senators as jurors have to answer is, if the NSC and the State Department knew the president was seeking an investigation, why didn't they just tell the president, sir, you don't need to worry about it? It already has begun. There was a real gap of information there, it appears, from what we know. We saw all these impeachment witnesses say, we knew the president wanted this, and not a single one of them appears to have told the president, sir, back in February it already happened. And I think that's one of the issues that the trial is going to have to try to resolve.
0: Um, What do you think of this uh, Lev Parnas stuff?
1: Well, you know, listen, I I have a lot of knowledge of Lev Parnas. uh, uh, He was one of about 50, 55 people that I worked with as I spent over 18 months working on the Ukraine story. Uh, I met him through my attorneys, or or one of my attorneys, uh, Joe and Victoria Tensing. At the time, I had drafted up most of the stories that ultimately had been, you know, later were published in mid-March to mid-May. Most of them had been drafted already, but I had this one problem. I had all the documents. And I had a lot of people on background, but I didn't have any Ukrainians on the record. And so when I talked to Joe and Victoria about my concern, as you do when you're a journalist talking to your lawyer about libel review and things, you, uh, they said, hey, we didn't know you were working on Ukraine stuff. We have some business there. We have a guy, a fixer, a facilitator, an uh, a, um, interpreter uh, named Lev Parnas, and how about we introduce him? I bet you he could get you the sort of interviews that you're still lacking. So they, they set up a meeting. Um, I I reached out. He said, you know, I'd be glad to help you. Who do you know and, or who do you want to know? And I said, well, I've been trying to reach the prosecutor general's office. All, I gave him a list of about seven or eight people. And very quickly, he proved that he did know who he knew, and, and he was able to arrange Mr. Lusenko, the prosecutor general, the attorney general of Ukraine, and several other figures that I was looking for to talk on the record, on camera, so that every American could look in their eyes and see what they were saying and and hear them on the record. No anonymity, no anonymous stuff. And so, you know, in that respect, he was helpful. Uh, He had his own motives, his own interests. He had business interests. I knew he worked for Rudy Giuliani. I knew he worked for lots of other people. He told me he worked with lots of other reporters. Doesn't surprise me. This is what reporters do on a daily basis, particularly when you're working in a foreign country. You have what we call fixers or facilitators mm-hmm. on the ground because you're not in Ukraine full time. And so mm-hmm. you have people that have contacts and, And hey, could you get this person to talk to me? And, and when that happens, I, one of the things that is, hopefully will become public, uh, every time Lev Parnas arranged an interview, I always went through the press office of the official government agency after that. So if he opened the door, I still went through the official channels to make sure there were no – Side deals, no unusual behavior. And, and in all those cases, I put those interviews out. The videos are public. Everybody can see what happened. Um, beyond that, you know, that, that's what Lev did for me. And, uh, you know, obviously he had some issues in his background. When you're dealing in Ukraine, you meet lots of colorful characters. He was one of them.
0: Yeah. All right. I want to – talk to you I'll, I'll tell you what rudy giuliani told me about him uh and then i'd like to get your your uh, best guess on what on what's what's happening uh sure. with him uh and the president and and him with the with the left in congress john solomon investigative reporter uh you can uh, you can now find his work he's he's gone and done his uh his own thing it's a new media outlet justthenews.com, justthenews.com so uh we're back with John Solomon uh and and John I uh, uh, I know that I asked Rudy Giuliani the same question a few weeks ago about Lev because he's a shady guy And uh, he said, look, Len, when you're in a foreign country, and especially a country like Ukraine, and you're looking to find out the details of the underworld, you're not going to meet all of the finest people. Uh, And he said, this guy, just like you said, I used him to, um, uh, you know, uh, line up conversations and help me connect, blah, blah, blah. What is the what is the the. Text messages that were that have been shared this week. Any idea what that was about?
1: I don't. I mean, I mean, listen. There's a lot of text messages. Some of them involve my efforts to report and, and to and to get see if he could open up doors for me to talk to people. That's the normal reporting that goes on every day. And I don't think there's anything untoward about them. There's a lot of things he was involved in that I wasn't aware of at the time. I never heard about this monitoring effort of um, the ambassador. Uh, or who this guy was, this uh, congressional candidate. Um, it, you know, it, it was clear to me and early on. Lev Parnas and I, when I talked, I said, "You know, what motivates you to to uh, work on this with me?" And he said, "The and it, it's a very profound statement." And, and and I will say this too: when I dealt with him, I found him to be professional. He didn't do anything untoward. He didn't suggest anything untoward. Uh, he was a character, you know, uh, funny, yeah, yeah. garrulous. But I uh, never had any idea that he was involved in any criminality or anything like that. He, you know, he seemed a pretty straightforward. Guy. And I asked him, you know, why, why would you want to help me on this? And he said, I've watched Ukraine for 20 years say they're fighting corruption, and we go through the same cycle. Every two years, a prosecutor's name. Two years later, he's deemed corrupt. We name another prosecutor. And corruption never gets fought. And, uh, and right now, in my country, uh, my home country in Ukraine, I see – uh, uh, a real dysfunction between the embassy, the prosecutors, and the what we would call the FBI, NABU. And I want to help you bring that to light, because at some point we got to fix it, or every time we spend money in Ukraine, we're putting it down the toilet. And so he had a very impassioned view, and his view was very identical to what I had been hearing for six or eight months from Ukrainians on the ground. And when I did the epic interviews with you know the attorney general and some of his top deputies in Ukraine, They said the same thing, which is our relationship is so bad with the embassy right now. I'm not sure we know how to fight corruption. And uh, that appeared to be what motivated him in helping me. These other things that were going on, what he and Rudy were doing, uh, you know, I had general idea that Rudy was doing his own investigation in Ukraine. Eventually, after my stories ran, he shared his findings with me, and I was grateful that he did. But um, I think a lot, you know, everybody in Ukraine has an angle. Everybody in Ukraine has a motive. Uh, It's a country where people are endemically corrupt. And and I was aware of that. I said so in all my stories. Uh, And I tried my hardest to make sure no one motive, no one angle would influence the story. I stuck to the facts. When when I got these prosecutors on record, I went to the State Department. I took 10 days and waited for the State Department to give me an answer. So, you know, I think the reporting wasn't influenced by it. uh, But. Where, where, you know, was he doing some things? I think we have to figure out what what exactly he was doing. It didn't affect my reporting, but it's certainly intriguing in in the middle of this impeachment that it suddenly surfaces uh, as the Democrats begin to make their case.
0: As a journalist, how do you deal if this is you're now just coming across him? How do you deal with the, you know, the note that he wrote in the hotel uh, and uh, and his new you know, testimony now on television, at least, that yeah. Donald Trump was up to, you know, I guess, no good. Uh, and he knew it. Uh, how, how do you deal with that?
1: Uh, you know, uh, every person has to answer for the content. What I have to answer for are my stories. Were the stories that I wrote in March and April and May accurate?
0: No, no but, so what, but I'm, what I'm asking yeah. you is as yeah. a respected, yeah. in my opinion, a respected uh, journalist. Sure. How do you handle this now? Would you be reporting this the way the press is reporting this now? Are they being responsible?
1: Well, here's a funny thing. A lot of Left Lev Parnas has said a lot of things about me in the last uh, 24, 48 hours. Not a single news outlet that's reported on those things even called to get my side of the story or to see if it's mm-hmm. true. Uh, that tells you something about yeah. the nature of reporting today. and it's why we got, okay. when I say we, the news industry got Russia wrong and why they probably have a lot of the Ukraine story wrong now. The way you deal with these things is you, you, you listen to Lev and you write his side story, but you also go talk to the other people, the Victoria Tensings and the Joe DeGenevas the and the Rudy yeah. Giuliani's and I. For months, <clears throat> I kept watching that people say, uh, uh, I just took Rudy's stuff and wrote it. It's the other way around. I wrote my stuff and then Rudy gave me his stuff afterwards. Right. You can confirm that with Rudy. Right. But no one in the press even cares about timetables, facts. So, they, <laughs> there's a hysterical, sad. breathless crazy part of the media today, and we don't get things right, and we let our American public down every time we do so.
0: I've got about a minute, so I need to sure. uh, phrase this quickly. Uh, the Hill said they're going to do an investigation on all of your stuff, and it was widely reported that you were under yeah. investigation by the Hill. Yeah. Then we hear nothing about it. Did they investigate? Did they do anything? Did I
1: don't know. I, I haven't heard from them. I will say this. It was my idea. I encouraged them to do so, because I think when people look at the facts of my story, everything's going to be fine, but so far I don't know anything more than what's in the public. Uh, I remain confident that what I reported was accurate, that it was balanced, that it had the right context. It had the warnings about Ukraine being corrupt. And I think anyone who went and took a look at my response to Lieutenant Colonel Vindman when he attacked my reporting, I just put all the facts out.
0: John Solomon uh, from JustTheNews.com. That's JustTheNews.com. John Solomon, we'll talk to you again. welcome to the uh welcome to the program the Glenn Beck program we're so glad that you're uh you're joining us today thank you for listening it's been a uh it's been a crazy week for us uh here for me personally uh, my father-in-law just an update my father-in-law just had another test today on his heart and a liver liver biopsy but hopefully he'll be going home in the next few days um, um, he you know the best we can expect i think is happening uh right now mary i uh, got an update from uh, the doctors yesterday my my daughter mary is um at ut medical where she is uh, has undergone brain surgery the first of probably two um and the technology is just remarkable and what doctors can do today is is truly remarkable um we got some good news from her yesterday that they have to do another kind of another invasive test where they where it involves putting one side of the brain asleep uh and then having her awake and talk to her and have her move and then they wake that side of the brain up and put the other side of the brain to sleep it's it's crazy crazy what they can do today um and uh
2: would you consider going to Venezuela to get the surgery? Because, I mean, it seems like no, they have such Cuba a great... Cuba was booked. Oh, okay. Cuba that was That makes booked. a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're
0: actually now praying for the surgery that would require a full craniotomy. Uh, and I know that sounds crazy, but um, they, they think that um, they might be able to give her at least a 75% chance of a cure on epilepsy, which would be life-changing for her Hmm. update on jeffy i was at the hospital (laughs) i left my daughter's hospital i went cross town to jeffy's hospital where he just had a uh uh, gallbladder removed um he had a gallbladder and something else that you never think of in your body uh, was was involved. I know so many of his organs have tried to escape. It's interesting to see them removed. This one was, yeah, this one was practically jumping out of his body. <laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, I I got the list of the things he can eat, and he's almost suicidal. Uh, it's like there's nothing on that. That now without your gallbladder, you are well. You might like legumes and nuts um don't confuse me with a healthy much person
2: yeah that's... yeah
0: i mean it's it's a horrible diet but it'll be good for him it'll be good for him um but he's in in uh good spirits and i think that's the end of the hospital updates but please keep praying for everybody and 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 thank you so much for the prayers you've already offered now Stu announced earlier this week uh that he is putting on a new show uh, and the new show is Stu does America. It is a, it's like, uh, it's like the daily show with Trevor Oliver, except funny. John Oliver, I believe. You, uh,
2: and he's also uh, not yeah, the da- uh, daily Noah. show. And also I would.
0: Yeah. Trevor. I mean, a, I meant Trevor Noah. Trevor Noah. Got yeah, it. You're, Trevor you're Noah. You're combining the two names. Yeah, yeah. I can. I, I, I've blocked Trevor Noah's name and everything. <laughs> wow. Is that an unfunny show? Um, But it will air on on Blaze TV and YouTube. You just have to go subscribe to Stu's uh, YouTube page, which is
2: StuDoesAmerica.com. If you go to com, you'll get all the links there. Okay, so just subscribe and you can watch it. Also, podcasts. You can get it uh, if you listen to podcasts at all. If you're listening to this as a podcast, please subscribe as well. Okay. Um, And so tomorrow on my podcast,
0: I'm doing something that we've never even considered and we've never even (laughs) done personally with each other mm-hmm. and i took the podcast in 90 minutes and i just interviewed Stu about
2: what his journey over the last 20 years with me because it's the 20th anniversary of the radio show this week basically yeah. uh and yeah we go over a lot of the big news stories if you remember the big stories that the show has been involved in how the show kind of came together initially uh basically the all the behind the scenes that you can think of,
0: yeah, and we got to about half of it yeah. and and it was an interesting conversation because I found myself really curious about what Stu had to say, because I had no idea we've done so many things like we were just talking about it off the air. I have no idea what he was thinking or where he was or or anything outside of a decision making meeting when we decided to go to Fox. And we were talking about when we went to CNN. None of us wanted to go. We didn't want to do. We thought that was a a bad deal at first. I went kind of against my will. And Stu was really like, I don't want the cable news is not where we want to be. Let's just be funny and yada, yada, yada. And I don't know if it was a good thing or a bad thing that we went to cable news, but we did. Um, We did. Here's a clip from the podcast that you'll be able to hear. Tomorrow, anywhere you get your podcast, but if you're a Blaze TV subscriber, you can get it right now. It's a fascinating 90-minute look at the the behind-the-scenes. Here's what I asked, Stu. um, What did we learn? What did you learn from CNN and that experience? Listen to his answer.
2: What was the biggest thing you learned first from CNN? Well, you know, it was interesting that we even got hired there. (laughs) I mean, I remember thinking there was no chance that was no going to actually happen. Yeah. Um, and they put us on, and I was, you know, they were... I bought a house, if I'm not mistaken, before they made the offer. Yes, I believe that's true. Yeah. We were happy about that, by the way. Yeah. Uh, that was really exciting for us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was That's the way every move happens. Glenn mm-hmm. makes, goes and buys a house before we lock it in, and then we were like, oh, well, now we, I guess we have to go?
1: I mean, yeah. it, was, you know, it, was a,
2: it was a home there. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, it was... Uh, because there was some conflict internally, I think, at that point as to whether a cable news show was the right thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we, the show was doing really well on radio. We were growing quickly. You were pretty well known. And I remember thinking, like, gosh, really, like, cable news? Like, we're going to go on there and do this thing that everybody, you know, that's what you're supposed to do. We all hated it. Yeah, we, none of us really liked the idea. And I think, I think, you know, looking back in retrospect, incorrectly, because it was, it was a way to it really did change the Ooh. level of your profile. But we changed it. Yeah, no, because we did something different. Mm-hmm. And we knew we were gonna do something different and we weren't gonna do it unless unless we could. Mm-hmm. Right? I didn't wanna go in there and do the same old blah, 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 talking mm-hmm. heads type of thing. Um, so when we went into CNN, I mean, I remember doing things that were, it helped, it helped shape my understanding of the media in a way I don't know that like the audience necessarily always connects with. And that like we would do things on the air that were really basic knowledge for the average talk radio listener. Mm-hmm. You know, things that were like, OK, remember this quote from this guy and you'd bring that up in passing. And especially when we first started, we would get hit from standards and practices, which is like the branch of CNN. So,
0: this is interesting to mm-hmm. me. Most people may not even know this or mm-hmm. believe this, but I was on the floor and sometimes it would take us two or three hours to cut an hour long show. Yeah. Um, you should be able to cut an hour long show in about 50 minutes. Yeah. Right. Okay? Exactly. It sometimes took us three hours mm-hmm. to cut and I was never privy to the stalls. Yeah. I would just be told, uh, break down the computer or, you know, break down in the <laughs> control room. This is happening. This is happening. Don't worry. We'll catch it. But you were actually in the control room with standards and practices along with all the others. Yeah. on My staff. Um, yep. That worked for Mercury. That was the smartest thing we did. Uh, that
2: we're having to have these battles. Yeah, and they would be like on really basic things, like we, you know, because on talk radio, like there, there's a these certain things will become part of the conversation, and everyone sort of understands them. You don't need to explain them every single mm-hmm. time. And we'd make points, and they would push back on them. And I'm like, do you not? Know this? Do you not know this person said this, and that really that enlightened me into the way the media actually works because uh, a lot of times they don't know it. I would, uh,
0: you know, I really think we should do a, a like a a doc series uh, on just some of the things we've learned in the media because none of us have ever talked about it, and I didn't realize it until this podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, what we all learned and what we all saw, I think is, you know, it led me to the place where I said at the end of Fox, this whole place, meaning New York media, it's all going to burn down. It's all going to burn down. It's not real. It's going to burn itself to the ground. And that was one of my real feelings of we've got to get out of New York media. Um, uh, but we all learned so much that if the American people knew Really, what we have seen, each of us, uh, I, think, I think their understanding of uh, why you can't trust the the people to repair themselves. The, the media will never, ever repair itself. It will never heal. It, will, it won't turn the other direction and suddenly go, oh, my gosh, I get it. We're out of step with the American people. It will never happen and and i'm thinking about one extensive long uh trial at cnn that involved one individual who uh, was very you know very vocal in the building about how much they hated me,
2: mm-hmm. you know you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. I just did it a couple times. I know. So was at a couple meetings. So, uh,
0: well, and they've and he's still here,
2: <laughs> and he's never
0: going to change. No, but yeah, I'm no, thinking no, of that in and and once you know that piece of information, it starts to unlock how they're always going to behave.
2: You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know that anything. I saw there at the time would have pred- would have led me to believe they would go as far as they've oh, no, gone no. in the last couple of years. No, though. especially I mean, I- the way they fought against me. Yeah. You know,
0: but, you know, the, 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 they oh, they were fighting against me because I was uh, irrational and I wasn't based in fact. And I didn't have when we were we talk about in this special how much better CNN made us because they made us prove everything yeah. So when we got to Fox, we didn't need standards in practice. Yeah. It was so easy for us, um, and uh, and we were self
2: policing ourselves, which was a great great advantage. One of the weird things about going through that process and like working at a CNN, like there there are people that I absolutely loved that Me we too. worked with there Me and too. still do. Them. Yep, Me and it's, and it's amazing that you you kind of see how this goes on, and it's easy to kind of think of these you know of an organization like that as this like monolithic. There's a lot of people there, I guarantee it, and some of them that I actually know for sure feel this way, that CNN has gone off their rocker recently, and uh, they don't look at it the same way. And that is like it, it is a it's a weird thing because you think about this a lot of times you see this with conservatives and there's some like liberal who's saying who leaves the organization and gets promoted by the media those things don't necessarily happen the other way but those people exist they're there mm-hmm. and they're looking at this even if they're not conservatives they're just mm-hmm. like this is crazy like what happened to us trying to actually bring the news and not bring an agenda mm-hmm. you know we went over this the CNN app one day I went on there and the first like. 28 stories on their list were all things negative about trump Mm -hmm. it's like look you might not like the guy you might think he's a bad president but there's not another news story to cover in the entire world other than donald trump and things you think he did the wrong way and that that can't be the way that this has to be and that's not just us feeling that those are people in those buildings feeling that way all right if you are a subscriber to blaze tv just go there
0: now you can uh, find tomorrow's Uh, released podcast today if you're a subscriber. Otherwise, tomorrow, just, you know, wherever you get podcasts, subscribe to the Glenn Beck Podcast. You'll be able to download it for free. Uh, And it is well, well worth your time behind the scenes. 20 years of talk radio and my career with Stu. uh, All exposed. (laughs) All exposed. (laughs) The Glenn Beck Program I want to remind you uh, this weekend, talk to your family. If you are looking for something really cool to do uh, this 4th of July, please join us as we restore the covenant. Restoring the covenant is happening in Gettysburg on the weekend of July 4th, three days there in Gettysburg. You can join us for a day. It's free. Uh, or you can you know join in some of the other events that are ticketed events, but the main fireworks show and everything else, it's all free. Gettysburg. You do have to register to go because we have to keep the uh, the crowd at a certain amount because of the infrastructure of Gettysburg. So if you want to register, please just talk to your family uh, and uh, and and register and reserve your place for your family at glenbeckcom slash restore. There's all kinds of packages that could extend it out to like I think ten days or seven days on the road through Plymouth, Boston. New York, Philadelphia, all of the history all the way to Gettysburg, July 4th weekend, if you'd like to participate slash All right. Excited for the weekend? Yeah, more than life itself. You've gone through a I'm heck just, of a you had a heck of a week. I can't I can't tell you how much how much I respect my wife and what she does. I Me too. I don't know how she puts up with it either. Oh no. Have him have him leave in, in a crisis situation.
2: Have him leave for a week. Then you'll then you'll really <laughs> appreciate it. Yeah, defend for yourself a little bit. It's not normal for you. <laughs> Wait a minute.